0: It's time for the Brotherly Love Podcast, keeping it real on the Philly sports scene since 2014. If anybody in their right mind is worried about Jalen Brunson translating the next level, then they didn't watch him play. I
1: believe their team is destiny, man. I really
0: do not think that they're going to be denied. Whether it's the fight in Bills, the birds, the fly guys, the process, or a national headline, these two beauties are talking sports with a passion only Philly fans can comprehend. Here's your host, Joe O'Donnell. Stop feeding John Mita car bombs. Run the ball, control the clock, don't do anything stupid. And John Mita.
1: Kids out there, make sure you practice your free throws.
0: Dear God, give me an interview with the Eagle Scouting Department. I'd I do be better. What's up, SoundCloud? What's up, iTunes? It is the Brotherly Love Podcast. A little bit of finality to this one, unfortunately. Joe Donald, John Mita with you. And the football season is over if you are a Philadelphia Eagles fan. We'll spend a lot of time digesting that. I may rant on Carter Hart at some point. It's all positive, folks. It's all positive. So if we get into a little hockey talk, don't be surprised. But it is the Brotherly Love Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Love Podcast. We appreciate all the love and support. I am here. John Mita is there, and he's not in Florida anymore. He's back in the city of brotherly love, or at least the surrounding suburbs. Johnny Mita, always a pleasure. How are you?
1: No, uh, I'm doing well, Joe. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm happy to be back in the PA area, but uh, man, it was just—it's uh, just a tough way to lose. I mean, it's just. I, and sometimes I ask people, I'm like, would you rather lose like in the last couple minutes, or would you rather just? Got him blown out by 30 points just to know that she never had a chance. I don't know. I don't know which thing's worse.
0: Yeah. Well, let me ask you this, and we'll get off topic right off the hop. Why not? Opening segment here. Let's just get right to it and totally blow up what we're going to talk about or, or the order we're going to talk about things. Um, but I want to ask you this, and, and this is one of the things I wanted to get into at some point, point. and I'm not trying to be negative Nancy here because I'm very proud of what the Philadelphia Eagles accomplish as a Philadelphia Eagles fan. To not win it all, this is about as satisfying as I feel like you could possibly be. And I think a lot of people in the Delaware Valley and beyond feel like that for a number of reasons that I don't need to get into, because if you're an Eagles fan, you probably get it, right? I mean, it's just a, it was almost a positive ending despite the disappointment. But let me ask you this, John Mita, knowing what we know now, knowing that they didn't get it done, right? They did not repeat as Super Bowl champions, which is the goal for every team, uh, to go out and win it all. Would you have preferred 7-9, and 6-10, and 10, Foles doesn't save the day, they get a top 14 or 12 draft pick, or doing what they did, which was make the city proud but not get it done, and now you're looking at you know, 23, 24, somewhere in that range probably?
1: I think it's always good to make the playoffs, no matter... Now your year is gone. I just think it was very important. I think it's also important for the guys that weren't on the team for that Super Bowl run. In the NFL there's an extreme amount of turnover every year, right? There's new faces, new draft picks. Some people leave. You have you sign new free agents. So I think for the young guys it's valuable experience. They experienced the win when the Eagles were able to take out the Chicago Bears. So for me, I, I think obviously you know, the higher the draft pick, you're always going to probably get a better player. I get that, but from this standpoint, just to give those young guys some experience, I think it was. Uh, I think it'll be beneficial for the team moving
0: forward. Let me take a one step further, and this is going to par- probably get into our Carson Wentz, Nick Foles discussion, which the entire city and and most of the National Football League's been having for a while now. But from Carson Wentz's mental standpoint, from a possible fragile mental standpoint, was it better for Nick Foles to save the day again and have to have Wentz endure the city rallying around St. Nick one more time? Because I kind of get the sense that if there's one thing, again, we're, I'm putting the cart before the horse here, but if there's one thing I'm concerned about moving forward with Carson Wentz, and to me he's the franchise quarterback, it's not even close, but there's one thing I'm concerned about is that that, that poor kid, and he is a kid, had to sit there back-to-back years and watch the city essentially forget about him for a month. And I don't know that that sat well with him. I know that last year we thought, man, they're so close. They're such great friends. This is awesome. Wentz is just going to want it so bad now. It's back-to-back years that Wentz watched Foles lead this team into the postseason, have success, and come within 20-some yards and possibly a drop pass of going back to the NFC title game. And I worry about the mindset of Carson Wentz because if he struggles at all now, to start next year at any point, you know what the entire city's going to do. They should have kept Foles.
1: Absolutely. Uh, that would be the mindset of a lot of people. And here's what I think. There's no question about it. If you listen to Carson Wentz and some press conferences that, like, that he's had, kind of like the exit inter-press yeah. conferences, he said two things that I think were one is, was the pressure there for him to be successful again? Yes. With everything that Vult did, he pretty much blindly admitted to that.
0: Right. He, he embraced is, it a bit?
1: He embraced it a bit and said, yeah, of course there's pressure. And then the other thing is this. He also admitted that you could tell almost in his words that he came back to and he just said his priority during the offseason season is that he just wants to get himself healthy and and make sure that he can play carefree and cut it loose. So to me, that tells me that he wasn't really confident in his legs over the course of the season. And of course, he looked like Superman the year before, before the ACL-LCL pair. We thought, ah, he'll just bounce back, he'll come in four weeks this season. But again, it's just one of those injuries. Quarterbacks that have suffered that injury, I think I mentioned a couple podcasts ago,
2: Yeah, you
1: know, you know, with Tom Brady, with Carson Palmer, it takes a full year. So he'll have all this offseason to get his body right and just get back to the player that he used to be. But there's no question about it. He was, listen, when he was interviewed on the field by Phil Simms' son, Chris Simms, you know, he was kind of having a catch on the field and, Talking about how special the game
0: is. What was this?
1: this, He's on the field. I saw an excerpt. It was like him and Chris Sims talking. And he's like, oh, I really like what you're doing, Carson. You're a great player. You'll get back to here. But you can just tell how disappointed he was not being able to play in that football game and not being able to bring the first title to the city of Philadelphia.
2: You
1: know know that's going to weigh on him because it's like no one has ever done it. And Nick Foles did it and then they captured the magic again, and you really thought in the last two minutes that that it was going to happen again. I mean, if he gets to the NFC Championship game, Nick Bowles, uh, who knows? I mean, you don't know the conversation. I mean, I think if he got back to the Super Bowl or perhaps won another one, it's going to be a huge discussion on who you keep. But I think now that that didn't happen, I think some people in the organization, that's kind of like a side relief.
0: Behind closed doors, yeah.
1: Behind closed doors, that it's just like, wow, thank God, we really don't have to make that decision, you know? And, like, listen, moving forward, as far as my opinion, Carson I loved everything with Nick to the football team. But if you just look at age and you just look at talent and upside, Carson Wentz can do a lot of.
0: Yes, and I think and, and I think Nick Foles brings some intangibles that maybe Wentz right. doesn't have yet. or And I don't know that Nick Foles necessarily had them before you last know. January. I mean, again, he was written for—people were calling for—let's remember Philadelphia and fans of the Brotherly Love podcast. People were calling for Nate Sudfeld when we were doing our 100th podcast before the playoffs even started last year. Remember how bad Foles looked against the Raiders?
1: That's so true. There were a couple people out there. I mean, you hit on it. It's like, ah, what's Foles going to do? And
0: then I was like, damn. And then he played against the Cowboys for those couple series. Didn't do squat. People were all nervous. They had the bye. He didn't look great against the Falcons for some of those games. It wasn't until the NFC Championship game, which, by the way, they were losing 7-0 until the pick six, that the offense with those big plays, and then from there he was literally unworldly. He outdueled Tom Brady like Tom Brady was his – You know what? So anyway, again, it's all great food for thought. I think you and I are both on the same page. We said a couple podcasts ago, Carson Wentz is the future. There should be no question about that. We absolutely love Nick Foles. I was just thinking the other day, I probably need to get myself a Nick Foles jersey once they go on sale at Models and he signs with like the Jaguars or the Dolphins or somebody. But uh, it's just, it was a great ride. And look, if they can bring him back, if they can make it work. And and bring him back as a backup. Elliot Shore Parks did a number uh, piece on the potential ramifications, how they could pay Wentz the 4.1 million the final year of his rookie deal. They could pay Foles 20 million. They still wouldn't be spending as much money as some teams in the league at the quarterback position. They could make it work. And then I saw an agent uh, wrote a, an article an NFL agent about some of the deep dive on some of those contracts and the numbers and his prediction was they just have to move on from Nick Foles. I think most people feel they will move on from Nick Foles. I love how the rest of the NFL just doesn't get it. Like I'm seeing stuff on Twitter and, you know, some of the trolls out there like, oh, look at Philadelphia. Get rid of their backup, you know, their Super Bowl MVP. Like what's wrong with them? I've had fans of other teams that just don't follow the sport enough or know enough about the Eagles or the quarterback situation. They're like, why aren't you guys keeping Foles? Like, they just don't get it, okay? And there's people in Philadelphia, fans. I You listen to sports radio all the time in Philly. There are people that are just clamoring for Foles. And trust me, I had some nights and some moments where I was like, man, maybe Foles is just better suited for whatever reason. He just gets the most out of his teammates. You know, maybe if he played all year, maybe if he's the guy in the future, but then you just have to slap yourself in the face, have a reality check, and come back down to earth and realize this football team, this organization needs to move forward. Carson Wentz, that was the plan the whole time. That's why they gave up as much as they did, and they see how it plays out over the next five years. If five years from now, it doesn't work out with Carson Wentz, you can't have revisionist history. This is the move for the organization moving forward. Carson Wentz is the guy. You build the best team around him, especially this upcoming year where he's only making $4 million, and you try and win the damn Super Bowl.
1: I think to your point too, Joe, where like the pressure of Fultz, I think him not being here, I think that might alleviate some pressure, Yeah, if that makes sense. Like, just so that he just doesn't think about it. Or if I go now and again and then Nick comes in, you know, will my job be in jeopardy? And if we look at it, you know, his rookie season, he played all 16 games, Carson Wentz Um The year before, his second year, he went 11-2, and so he only played three games. And now he's missing some more games, so people want to kind of label him as the injury-prone quarterback. But let's face it, his mechanics weren't right all year. You could tell he just didn't believe in his leg. He didn't scramble out of the pocket. He was kind of sitting, holding on to the football. He just didn't trust himself. And I think the only thing at fault this season that you could say, like, Nick Foles did a much better job, was that he just spread the football around a lot better than Carson did. A lot of times Carson got so locked in on Zach Ertz, a phenomenal tight end, but we were missing that other edge of the offense with, you know, the big plays downfield, to Alshon Jeffrey or the the, the the, others like screen passes and the, you know, quick slants of guys like Nelson Aguilar. So he kind of had a little tunnel vision with Zach Ertz. And, you know, I've also heard some other rumors that as far as the offense goes with With Doug Peterson, I mean, just does he dumb it down for Nick, but then makes it so, you know, difficult and so much going on when Carson's back in there because Carson's such a cerebral player, kind of like Peyton Manning. So, I I don't know. I just, I don't think you can, I think the best thing to do, and I didn't even know this was a possibility, is, you know, see if they opt him in and then try to trade him to somewhere of his choice and try to get something back. If the Eagles were able to get a second round pick a two and a five, you know, a three and a four or anything like that would be huge considering we did give up the pick to obtain the rights of golden Tate, And just because this is a draft, that's going to be very crucial for the organization moving forward. There is a lot of holes on this football team that we need to fill to get us back. Um, and so I think it's important to, you know, Foles did an amazing, unbelievable job. We will never forget, you know, what that guy brought to the table. But we also know that if you look at upside, like, bottom line, if you look at who who's the better quarterback, it, it's hard to say, but you still think ultimately in the end that Carson Wentz is going to
0: be the better quarterback. Now, did you see the numbers side by side? They're like eerily, eerily similar between now, Wentz I and haven't... Foles. I'm talking a completion percentage within 0.1 of each other, touchdowns within two or three of each other, interceptions almost identical through 40 starts or last, you know, Foles' last 40 starts and, and Wentz's first 40 starts. I mean, the win loss record is almost identical. It includes Foles' playoff numbers, so they are slightly skewed in a more positive light because of just how good he was in the postseason, specifically last year. Quarterback rate, uh, I mean, everything, you line them up by side by side, it's eerie. And so, yeah. to some people, that's like, well, debate over. Wentz is way younger. For all these Foles lovers, look look at Wentz's numbers, and you just move on. Now, obviously, Foles did it on a, on a much bigger stage there, specifically right. again last year. Uh, nobody's going to do this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Because I was watching the game, the, the Bears game, on an internet stream, on my laptop, trying to call a hockey game. But I'm telling you, before... The Bears were about to line up for the field goal. Okay, They have put themselves pretty much in field goal range where all of Philadelphia is looking for a garbage can to puke in or a bridge to jump off of. You go back and watch. And on the sideline, standing next to Nick Foles, who looks like he's seen a ghost, like he has that sick feeling in his stomach because he thinks it's over and he's done as an eagle. Of course, Parkey misses the kick. Spoiler alert. Carson Wentz had a smile on his face. Now, I don't know if he was trying to keep Nick Foles light or if he was like, thank God, this is over for me. I'm telling you, man, roll it back. Again, I was watching on an internet feed. I had other things going on. But there was a quick screenshot or screen grab of those two. The camera pans the Foles, And I swear to the football Jesuses, Carson Wentz found something funny or something amusing. He wasn't looking as stoic or as concerned as Nick Foles was. I'm just saying there's got to be something to this mentally for Wentz. To finally have this monkey off his back now, where, like you said, he doesn't have to look over his shoulder. He doesn't have to go, man, I'm not the talk of the town. I mean, he's no dummy. He knows what people are saying. Trade Wentz, get two number ones. Like, what are we going to McDonald's? Like, what? I just don't get yeah. it. I don't get it. You're not, you're never gonna get you're not gonna get a franchise quarterback for two number ones. And again, there were moments where I was like, you know what? Man, could you imagine if they got a starting, you know, linebacker, starting running, back? they had two number ones for Wentz, and then, you know, just the next three years with Foles, how good the team was. No, no. Let's come back to reality, Philadelphia. The future is Carson Wentz. That's how it should be. All right, Johnny, Meade, mean, I know well, you want to. Well,
1: well, hold on. Yeah. How, about, how, about all, how about all the people that wanted to trade Nick Foles in the offseason? Yeah. You know? And they were all up in arms like, oh, my God. You know, he was so hot at the end of the year. His value was so high. Yeah, and buy low, fun. so
0: high. The, yeah, yeah.
1: Right. And, and the one rumor we heard was the highest offer they got was from the Cleveland Browns willing to offer their second-round pick, which is like almost their first-rounder because it was like number 36. And they ended up taking like Nick Chubb from Georgia, the running back. But thank God. If there's anything that we've learned the last couple of years is you need two really proficient quarterbacks. Yep. I mean, and that's what you need.
0: Yeah, so, when Mark Sanchez is your backup or the guy you're signing off the street, you're screwed. Season over.
1: Yeah, and you're bringing a guy like Josh Johnson right. to start over. Right. Even crazier.
0: Right. All right, go ahead, buddy. Um, you wanted to talk about the game, obviously. Lost to the Saints. Eagles' season comes to an end. Down in the Superdome. 20-14 is the final. There's yeah. a million places to go with this. We will talk about, essentially, at the end of the day, why they lost. Um, but just thoughts on the game, and I'm I'm gonna take a different approach. Is my guess and what you're gonna take. I'm gonna I'm gonna take you through the emotional approach, okay? Because going into the game, I was fired up and I was confident. I I don't know why. I just thought you know if there's ever a chance for this team to win in those circumstances, it was it was this Sunday, first play interception, fourteen nothing lead, moving the ball with ease, running it down the Saints' throat. Sean Payton looked lost, okay, on the sidelines. Crowd was out of it. Like, again, fired up and confident. Then the Saints were rallying. I lo- I went into a little bit of a shell. Okay, I was pretty calm, but I was not confident. I was talking myself into things. Like, wow, well, they're-, they're leading at halftime. Like, if you told me they'd be leading at halftime, I'd take it, right? <laughs> but I-, I was just worried that, okay, here comes New Orleans, right? Then when the Saints look like they're about to go up nine points late in the game, I had written off the season, the team, forget it, it's over, they blew it. Then when, that, when Will Lutz misses the kick, like the rest of the city in the football world, we're like, here we go. NFC Championship game, here we come. And then the final dagger goes through Alshon's hands. You're, what, 27 yards from possibly advancing. And I don't know that I was disappointed, John Mita. I was just, I I wasn't, let me say this. I wasn't angry. I was more disappointed. I was more shocked. I was more stunned. I was more rattled. So that's how I approached the game from an emotional sort of level. Because to me, like, even the next day, like, I was just, like, depressed. I, I'm still sort of trying to shake, shake it off. Sunday is going to come around. There's going to be football to be playing. The Eagles won't be playing. And I'm not angry. I'd probably be more angry if the Cowboys were still alive. But I'm just, like, I'm still just very drained from the fact, the way it ended. Like you said, would you rather get blown out or essentially have your heart ripped out? I felt like that was one of those heart-ripped-out types of losses.
1: Yeah, like you know, from an emotional standpoint, it was it was up and down. I mean, they get off. You know, we said it before. If they could get off to a hot start, yep, show that they can keep themselves in it. The defense will know that the offense has got their back in this particular game. Whereas the offense just never showed up, and they got drubbed 48 to seven. But it was just one of those things, and you're thinking, oh, they go up seven nothing, boom, fourteen nothing. They look like they're on fire defense is just playing their tails, but you're like, this is unbelievable. Then the the missed opportunities, the the you know the Saints converting on that punt on that punk conversion, you know, the punt fake, and then Brandon Grant if he just scoops up, if he just falls on the fumble as opposed to trying to scoop it up. When Lyman try to scoop up fumbles, sometimes there's just nothing good that comes from it, you know. And it, it, you can almost hear the words of Chris Thurman. Bumbling, bumbling, stumbling. I yeah. mean, that's what it looked like. You know, it was in this person's hand, and then somebody finally fell on it. But it was just, it, it was like a tale of two takes, right? Eagles come out like gangbusters first quarter. Second and third quarter, you're like, up oh, here come the Saints. You're going to get them all to sleep. The oh, Saints are going to put this away. They're going to run it down our throat. You figure, you know, I'm in the bar and I'm saying, my God, all we need. I said, the only way we're going to give ourselves a chance is if we get a sack on this play. Teams run the football, kinda of like the sacks Michael Bennett plays the play up in the backfield because you knew distances. You're like, this'll be like over a fifty yard. Right. You're in it you're in it though, but you know, I think anything under like forty five yards is usually pretty automatic. But if you're in that fifty range, I don't know what the conversion rate across the NFL is, but you just felt like and then you're like, Oh my god, we're gonna come back and win this game and things are moving right and and it's just it was just such an up-and-down roller coaster. And like you said, the ball goes off the hands. And it couldn't have been one of those balls that went off someone's hands and then just nobody in the vicinity. It was like the perfect hip throw to a guy standing right behind him. And unfortunately, you know, Marshawn, what is it, Marshawn Lattimore, I mean, he's a, he's a great cornerback. So, I mean, I'm going to talk about, you know, some of the things that, that just drove me nuts. And I.
0: Here we go. Goals. Here we go. The blitz or not the blitz. Might as well lead with it. I know you're getting there.
1: Uh, I, I, mean, here, I, <laughs> I mean, here's the deal. The thing that drove me nuts about this football game, well, uh, some of the things, when Brandon Brooks, when he pops his Achilles, you see Jason Peters crying, that, that was a huge momentum swing. That guy's one of the best guards in football, if not maybe the best guard in football, and the Eagles couldn't establish the run game from that point forward. Not like it was going extremely well. but No, but I it, mean,
0: look at the it, numbers. I saw some numbers with him, in the, with him in the game. They're averaging like, I don't know, six, seven yards a carry. When he went out of the game, they didn't do squat. Exactly. And so that really hurt.
1: Um, but, you know, defensively, you know, what I didn't understand is Drew Brees is going to one person and Michael Thomas is kicking the Eagles' doors out. And if you looked at how the Cowboys were able to frustrate Michael Thomas, and I know it's all about speed, but, like, they got physical at the line of scrimmage, and we were playing this deep zone. When you're playing eight, nine yards off the football, you're not making the receiver have to adjust his timing at all. And any good receiver will make you just pay, and that's what he did. The one thing that I can understand is, once they went after, once Rasul Douglas went out with the injury and they brought in this guy that no one's ever heard of, Sadie Hawkins from the school dance to play cornerback, <laughs> you know, and what I didn't understand is from that point moving forward, it was a third down and 12. Like, why did not Jim Schwartz adjust and double cover Michael Thomas and make Ed Ginn and make that other receiver, and, you know, Ben Watson, or somebody else beat them. I mean, the guy had, what, 13 receptions, 171 yards? Like, that should not And happen. And how many of them and,
0: were in the second half? Or, the or as, right. you know, and after it, the game was 14 nothing. It's not like he started and, out on fire.
1: Right. And, I, and, listen, I get it. You don't want to blitz through a breeze. He's such a good quarterback if you blitz him. But, you know what? If you blitz him and make it, maybe he will make a bad decision. Maybe he will just seemed a little rushed, and maybe the ball comes out a little high, or maybe the ball gets tipped. I mean, that's the other thing. Nobody on the defensive line tipped the balls in the air. Like, they never got their hands up when they couldn't get home to the quarterback. But, you know, Jim Schwartz, I'm just, uh, to be honest, I know he sounds like a broken record. People are going to hear it over again. But I-, I would like to move on from him. I know they won a Super Bowl with him as being the defensive coordinator, but I-, I just don't like his style.
0: You and your boy Seth Joyner, man. Seth Joyner's been ripping Uh, him, and he's been taking heat for it from a lot of the masses.
1: Oh, listen, I've been going back and forth on Twitter with Jeff Mosher, and he was like, well, you know, I don't know why people, the one time they did blitz breeze, you know, he ended up getting this type of game. It's like, I get it. But, like, if your defensive line is not crushing the quarterback and putting on extreme amount of heat, you just want him to make a bad decision. Look at the one game that I will look at throughout the Eagles season was when the Eagles played the Rams, okay, in L.A. And Jim Schwartz, I don't know where he got this game plan from, but he blitzed a lot. And when he did one of two things happened. Either Jared Goff threw an incomplete pass or the ball was turned over. And you go back and you look at that game plan, and I know there's a difference between Jared Goff and Drew Brees. I get it. But if you blitz only 20% of the time, I'm sorry. Unless your cornerbacks are Deion Sanders and Charles Woodson or Rob Woodson or some of the other great
0: Revis corners. Island, players. yeah, Darrell Revis. I'm yeah, with you. Yeah,
1: Darrell Lockdown Revis. corners, yeah. Lockdown corners. You can't ask your guys to cover for
0: four seconds. All right, let me ask you this. I want to cut right to the chase here. Did the Eagles defense play well Sunday in the Superdome? Yes or no?
1: Yes, they
0: do. Okay, because here's what I've seen a lot of. Well, the Saints only scored 20 points, 15 bo- points below their home average. So the Eagles' defense was great. You'd take that every day, 20 points. If I asked you, would you take it? Yeah, i get it. But here's what bothered me, and some of it's what you're talking about, the lack of pressure. And so instead of giving up a big play and maybe shifting the momentum instantly in that football game in the Saints' favor – What happened instead was probably, in my opinion, the worst thing that could have happened for the Eagles, and that was death by a thousand paper cuts. That was that drive that spanned like the entire freaking third quarter where the Saints went backwards 80 times. Look, the, the New Orleans Saints will not, okay, mark this down. They will not win the Super Bowl this year if they play like they played Sunday because they were average at best. They were so beatable on Sunday, and maybe that, if there's any frustration from me at all, it's that they weren't very good. Penalties. Breeze threw a pick on the first play. Eagles had a 14-0 lead. For the most part, the Saints never got their run game going. Like, they were there for the taking. And the defense couldn't get off the field. And I know Foles wasn't perfect. And I know the offense didn't do squat as the game moved along. But here's what kills me. Okay, we, we talked about this, you and I, how do you beat the Saints? You keep Drew Brees on the sideline. What happened to the Eagles in the second half? They were on the sideline. I know at the end of the game, the two teams, I think they each had like 10 possessions. And you're like, oh, but look at the time of possession. And especially in the second half, it was dominated by the Saints. So yes, Foles wasn't great. And yes, when the Eagles needed a few yards or a few first downs to shift the momentum, they couldn't get it, but they weren't getting the ball back. What's the one way to cure that offense is to give them more reps. When they have three reps and they sit for eight minutes, three reps and sit for 12 minutes, three reps and that, like, you're never going to get in that rhythm. You need your defense to get off the field. And they didn't do that on Sunday. So whether it was blitzing or what have you, that long drive killed them. Because not only was the defense tired then, but the offense sat. And Foles, who wasn't perfect by any stretch, sat And when you're sitting, look at how the Giants beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl that one year. The first few, you know, Brady was on the sideline for like 45 minutes between the pregame show and everything else and the Giants' long drive. He didn't see the football, and he came out and was not the same. And I will always remember that moment because I was so damn stunned the Giants beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. But when your quarterback and your team has no rhythm, how do you expect them to get it going? You need somebody to make a play. It didn't happen. You need somebody on Sunday on, on the defense Sunday to make a play, to get off the field, to come up with the pick, to force the fumble again, and they just didn't get it. So to blitz or not the blitz, I hear you. I would have rather seen them blitz and give up an 80-yard touchdown. Okay, you're down 17-14. That would have been way better than taking 12 minutes to just go down 17-14 when the end of the day is threw it against Hawkins anyway. I mean, both touchdowns came against Hawkins, right?
1: Yeah. I mean he and, and was. He that was so frustrating
0: because they never even heard of the guy. Like, and here's the other thing that rattled the hell out of me. The Saints, to get their first touchdown, needed a fake punt and a fourth and goal conversion. Like, they literally, ex- like, exhorted everything inside of their football team, onto of that field, just to get one touchdown to get them going. I mean, the Eagles had that game. And I hate the Saints. Like, put them at the top of my list now with the Cowboys, the Giants, the Redskins, the Vikings are up there, screw them, the Patriots. I hate the Saints now because they talked all that trash last year when they didn't get the playoffs. And by the way, the Eagles won the Super Bowl. Then they talked all that trash after they whooped our ass in the Superdome earlier this year. And then what were they doing post game? Bumping a Meek Mill, the ultimate troll. Like, I'm so dumb with the Saints. And that's a reflection of their head coach. That is a reflection of their head coach. Because when... When Grusher Hill talked trash on the Cowboys prior to that regular season meeting, you know he got an earful from the coaching staff. Sean Payton doesn't run that same type of ship. And and so I'm done with the Saints. And I know I just went off on a tangent, but I was just very frustrated the defense couldn't get off the field. To me, the number one reason the Eagles lost that game, lack of possessions. Lack of possessions in the second half because it never gave a chance for Foles to get in that rhythm again to put some more points on the board. And I know 99 yards the rest of the game stinks. But if you only have three or four chances, what are you supposed to do when you're when you're just not in that mojo and you don't have that confidence?
1: Oh, absolutely. And I, I couldn't agree with you more. Like it just was so frustrating because it's not like the Saints were getting a lot of these a lot of these first downs like on, on first and second. No, it was downs. third and 12,
0: third and sixteen, and third, third and
1: twenty. Third and, it was these long third down, third and longs were automatically teams should be getting off the football field. Which killed the Eagles all year, by the way. And I'm just going to say that. It happened to be an ongoing theme of the season. It was, we didn't get enough turnovers throughout the course of the year, Yep. and we couldn't get it off the field when we needed to. And it kind of of runs through, right, in the playoffs. Like, I was amazed. Like, when the Eagles beat the Bears, like, people have to keep in mind, like, you know, we turned the ball over. We lost the turnover battle and still find a way to win. And you know the the, the two turnovers. It was you know two turnovers in this that that sackers that interception that Nick Foles threw. Like that ball was so underthrown. Yeah,
0: it started the and, it started the shift in momentum.
1: Right, and if he if that ball is thrown on the money and out there. There's no way that Lattimore makes that pick. And I mean, he, he
0: seemed, Foles seemed a little jittery as the game moved on. Did you get that sense? Like, getting rid of the ball he a little did. bit quicker. He was taking hits for so many weeks for whatever yeah. reason that oh. they were out of sync there down the stretch. Like, some jump balls, yeah. some contested ball. Cool. Tate didn't come awesome. down with it. Jeffrey didn't come down with one. Ertz dove for right. one that was a little off. Like, nobody was making a play to help him out. And maybe, you know, maybe just dumping yeah. the ball to Darren Sproles one or two yeah. more times. You know, he was I not a boss. Goddard didn't get even targeted.
1: No, I know. I, there was just, and that was the other thing, Joe, if I look at, you know, when we break down this football game, is just uh, there wasn't much creativity from the play calling. And you, you know what I mean? Yeah. There wasn't, there was no razzle dazzle trick play that Doug was accustomed to some different shifting, putting guys in different positions. Like, well, we saw it earlier.
0: The end, the end around the Alshon, you know, they early when they had that momentum, or yeah, to Aguilar, excuse yeah. me, they yeah. had that momentum going, they were rolling. Yeah. And then it was like I, everybody went stale once once they spent so much time on the field defensively.
1: And I, and I, I really want to get a clarification. And I tried looking up the rule, and I want to, I'm going to call and get in touch with an NFL official and I, I want somebody to, to tell me what pass interference is. In oh, play. Well, apparently you don't See, have to
0: turn around for the ball anymore.
1: That's what I can't figure out. Like that play to Golden Tate, the guy never turns right. his head around. Right. And I know that he has every right to that position. And yes, the ball was underthrown. But
0: forever, but, when we were growing up, <laughs> I don't want to sound too yeah. old now, but that was the rule. If you didn't turn to locate the football, it was an automatic flag if you yeah. were touching the guy. If you don't touch yeah, him and the ball hits you, you're clear. But if you're right. touching the guy and you don't turn around and try and play the football, it's pass interference, and that was by the letter of the law that uh, on Sunday.
1: Yeah, and that's and I've seen it all year, and the Eagles have fallen victim to that exact play so many times. Like I think. Oh yeah, that drives you and crazy. The, and, the cow- yeah. and the Cowboys game, I think late Vander and I think Golden Tate was the receiver again. and The guy never turns around. Yeah. He's just face guarding because he's beat, beat like hell. And I, I just, you know, that just drove me nuts. And I just, uh, it was just so frustrating. But I think Bold's got a little jittery too is because, you know, Brandon Brooks goes out, you know, he loses his guard. And then another theme was, you know, Peters did such a phenomenal job, you know, blocking the entire game against Khalil Mack the week before. But then he couldn't finish his football game. He was in and out, you know. Yeah. So there's there, there's some question marks moving forward, you know. Specifically on our offensive line, there's a, there's a lot that, a lot of holes that need to be addressed, man. And to to get this football team back to where it needs to be. Here, and here. you look at you know look at the aging defensive ends. You know, Chris Long didn't give you much. You know, he's now a free agent. You look at a guy like Brandon Graham who's really had a nice career, you know, started off a little rocky, you know, made the biggest play probably Eagles history with that strip sack and Tom Brady. He, he he didn't give you much, you know, as far as pressure this season. I think he only had like six sacks. So from a defense to end standpoint They weren't getting a lot of pressure this year. And there was a lot of money tied up on that side of the football.
0: Here's my list of why they didn't get it done numerically. Number one, I touched on it and I went off on the tangent. Lack of possessions in the second half. To me, it stands out the most. Number two, injuries. You talked about Brandon Brooks. You lost Peters for stretches of the game. You lost Rasul Douglas to bring in some guy off the street. They just couldn't overcome the injuries. I I read a piece... It was Fletcher Ble- Cox. Yeah, Fletcher you know? Cox. Exactly. Excuse me. I, how could I forget him? Um, I, I think it was Bleeding Green Nation or somebody. I, I thought I printed it off and, of course, I didn't bring it to the studio. But the number of players that they lost and the number of games. So it was like 13 games plus playoffs and list of the players. You know, the whole season plus, you know, Mac Collins and Mike Wallace and then... The list goes on, you know, 12 games in playoffs, eight games in play. Rodney McLeod out for 13 games in playoffs, and oh, you know Derek Barnett, I mean, and then Corey thanks. Clement. I mean, you look at Jay Ajay. you There's a Pro Bowl lineup of missing Eagles, and I know last year we talked about a lot because they were the big names, right? Peters, Sproles, Wentz. You know, wow, there are five Pro Bowlers out, but the, the, the number, the quantity of the injuries this year was insanity for the Eagles, and at the end of the day, well, really too much to overcome.
1: Well, look at just look at, look at the defensive backs. They showed that.
0: right. With 10 starters or something?
1: Starters, 14, and there's only four starting positions. Yeah, it's so crazy. Think, of, think about that. And yeah. Malcolm Jenkins played the entire season. Right, he didn't so miss a snap. About, so you're talking about shuffling 13 or 14 guys right. in the three positions. And how about you're Malcolm Jenkins,
0: from- man? He's going to go down as one of the all-time Eagles greats. I mean, and, yeah. and this might be blasphemy, and I'm just going to say it out loud anyway. But you might be able to put him on the Mount Rushmore next to Dawkins when it's all said and done.
1: Well, right. right listen, he is a tremendous leader. You know what he does on and off the football field. The, the guy brings it each and every Sunday. You can tell he, he, he just, he's the pulse yeah, man, and,
0: and that's what that's he, what scares me. He played. They had eleven hundred and eighty defensive snaps this year. He played all eleven hundred and eighty. Think about that. Him. And he he didn't miss one snap, himself. yeah, and special teams. He didn't miss one snap, and that scares me because you're not going to get so lucky in future seasons. You're just not. Football yeah. is a game where it's a numbers game. At some point, somebody's going to get dinged up. But it's, violent. it's, it's a crazy. violent game, and if there's anything, that, you
1: know, that's the thing you need depth. Yes, you have to have depth.
0: And maybe they and found some in, in Cravon Le- LeBlanc. Um, yeah. You know, well, some of these listen, guys listen, had got listen, an opportunity. Listen, Rasul Douglas Rasool played Douglas. well again, second straight year with, you know, stepping in for somebody. Last year was Ronald Darby. Um, yeah,
1: Maddox, well, well I mean, and, and again, there goes another side. There goes two questions right there. You know, you're talking about Ronald Darby, free agent, okay? See you He's later. to command the corner, yeah, the corner, but it's not that great. And then you got a guy like Jalen Mills, who's coming back from the most mysterious injury that was never reported. We still don't know what type of injury this guy has. We know it's a— a lower body or a foot or a leg—I don't know what went on with his injury. And then that's the other thing. You know, do you try to again try to address it? You don't know what you have in a guy like Sidney Jones. Do you address that with your first-round draft?
0: Um, so let me just finish real quick. All right. So I lack of possession second yeah. half injuries. The Alshon drop—I'd like to leave off the list because he's my boy. But boy, did that one sting. And then Brandon Graham missing that fumble recovery—that—that that to me one, two, three, and four. If I had to rank them reasons why the birds fell short on Sunday. And I'll ask you this, John Mita, honestly, honestly, was this football team going to win it all with Fletcher Cox in a walking boot because that's how he left the Superdome and no Brandon Brooks?
1: You know, I was literally talking at halftime with our good friend Danny Hepscher, and I was like, I said, listen, Brandon Brooks um, going out, that injury alone, and if we win this game and then have to go out to L.A., and they got to face Aaron Donald right. and Dominick Sue the following week. You're talking about then going back to L. A. and winning on the road in L. A. You know, three straight times. I thought, I, I and and with Fletcher Cox being out, given everything that he had, whatever he was dealing with, I hear you. I, I don't even know if they would have. I mean, you can't count this team out. I mean, that's something that you just, especially this year in general, that was the theme. But I gotta be honest with you, the injuries were just insurmountable. Yep.
0: I mean it, five it, five road games the last six weeks. I mean, it's just tough, man. It's tough. And the I'll give the fans in New Orleans credit. Their their crowd accounted for several delay games, false starts, yeah. and a timeout by Poopy Peterson yeah. early in the second half, which was so unnecessary.
1: Joe, Joe, we I mean, we were there together.
0: That's Yeah, Japanese I don't remember play. much of that game.
1: <laughs> uh, everyone gets a little banged up in the big easy It, was,
0: <laughs> but, it was over it, early, remember? Oh, a real early. Yeah. A
1: real early. And the place is definitely. But I am with you. That is a tough place
0: to play. All right, listen, gimme give, give me give give us your needs, sure. all right? We want to get to the needs here. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, off season needs, Rank them one, two, three, whatever you got.
1: You gotta get a bell cow. You need a running back that can play every single down. I love the fact I would love to bring Darren Spoles back. You got Corey Clement, nice piece, Josh Adams, at Baron ram. But I want to see them go get an all every down back. A guy that can tote the ball 15 to 20 times a game if necessary, can catch the ball out of the backfield. And as far as the passing game goes, you know, basically able to pick up a blitz like Wendell Smallwood. He was terrible in pass protection for the most of his career. He picked up an unbelievable blitz in the game against the Saints. Yep. And then they throw a great slant to Alshon Jeffery. But they need him, in my opinion. I think running back. You got Jay Ajay, You can maybe sign him on a one year deal flatter because he's coming off ACL surgery. He's got the bang up. But in my opinion, it's just another weapon to give your quarterback to alleviate the pressure. If they found a guy like Le'Veon Bell or Saquon Barbie, and I know, I, I get it, people. These guys are a dime a dozen. Some of the best running backs in the league. But at this draft, I'm telling you, Joe, this is the best draft for running backs I've seen in quite a while. So the Eagles have a first-round pick and they have two number twos. I would love to see them either take a corner or wide receiver with the first-round pick and maybe go after a running back with one of the second picks. Or if they fall in love with one running back, you, you take a nice running back at 25 and you feel like this will be your running back for the next eight years. But in my opinion, I think running back is the strongest team. I know our offensive line is all backed up, and we're going to have to draft a couple of those. But in my opinion, I think so. I think as far as it goes, I would say the needs are running back. Then I would probably go offensive lineman and then wide receiver. We still need that speedy, down-the-field threat wide receiver, if we could find that in Carson, another guy that he could groom and, and come to work with, Alshon will be getting older. You don't know what you're going to do with Nelson Aguilar. So for me, it's offense alignment, corners. You got a lot. You got you got some decent young guys that have stepped up to play. And you know, so for me, it's running back, O line, and possibly another wide receiver. All
0: right, I've got offensive and, or, more, or Go ahead.
1: Or I'm sorry, I'm sorry. The other thing is too. That don't look at, you know, the game is one of the trenches. You also might look at defensive end here too, because you have Brandon Graham free agent, okay? Chris Long free agent. You don't know what they're going to do with Michael Bennett, and then you got Derek Barnett coming off injury, and then you drafted a guy Josh Sweat. He didn't give you anything this year, and you you don't know. So that's another position. Yeah, go
0: I'd, I'd go offensive line one, running back two, secondary three. Um, but I do see your point because again, the game is won in the trenches. When the Eagles have had success, best offensive line, defensive line in football. Uh, I'd like them to see bring Michael Bennett back. Hopefully, Derek Barnett comes back healthy. Maybe the big uh, Australian rugby player turns out to be a you know a diamond in the rough. But I think you got to go offensive line, running back, secondary, whether that's free agency or draft or a combination of both. And then you hope your quarterback's healthy and you see what the hell you got. All right, anything else we didn't get to? Before we wrap this thing up, and I quickly um, quickly talk about Carter Hart.
1: Nah, I think you should go right to Carter Hart. I just say, listen, it was amazing. You know, another great ride that the Eagles gave, you know, this fan base. It was nice that we were playing some relevant football when it seemed like, you know, we were in the darkest corner when the team was, you know, really had no shot to make it or a very little chance to make the playoffs. And uh, so hats off to all the players. Listen, hats off to the fan base for not killing Alshon, like throwing him out of town. You know, the, the, the people around, you know, all the other, you know, the national, you know, nobody talks about how everyone kind of embraced, listen, the game wasn't really lost on that particular play. Yes, did it hurt? Did they have an opportunity to win it? If he catches that football, sure. But, um, you know, you got to give credit to the fan base for, you know, and being a big part of it. And here's the deal. Here's the other thing real quick. Sorry, I don't let you go you got to love the fact that the guy owned it, right? Yeah. He comes out and says, Felt terrible for him. Me. Felt terrible for him. Nick Foles, I left the city of Philadelphia now. Like, that's what we all feel, right? Yeah. He felt the exact same feeling that every Philadelphia sports fan. So it makes them look real, and it makes them look human. So you can feel for a guy, and you can root hard and, and just be in that guy's corner because he left it out there. And, and he came up and said, I didn't get it done. How many times have we had athletes come out in this city and be like, oh, I did my job, but it's uh, the other guy, you know? For who, we for what? Of for who, for hey, what? Hey, how about Donovan McNabb? My receivers let us down. Yeah. You know, and then he blames the defense in the Arizona the NFC Championship yeah. game. Yeah. Oh, Ricky, or, I mean, you know. Ricky Waters,
0: for who, for what? I mean, nobody in hey, Philadelphia hey, will ever forget that as long as there's sports in this hey, hey, Because right, it's buddy, the exact opposite me. of what Philly sports is all about. I'm glad you brought it up because – I want to say this. This is a, maybe an interesting way of looking at this. I'm not sure, but there's a lot of social media chatter about. Look at Philadelphia. They picked up Alshon Jeffrey. Look at Chicago. They crushed Cody Parkey, Right? You seen some of that? Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And and sure, that's exactly how it played out. Chicago fans were ready to burn Cody Parky at uh, at the stake. Alshon Jeffrey, we got you. We love you. Don't worry about it. Don't let it define you. The coaches, the players, the fans, the media. But can we just be real about this for a second? What the hell has Cody Parkey done ever for the Chicago Bears? He missed like eleven yeah. kicks this year. He stunk. Yeah. If Alshon 4-1-8. Jeffrey was a complete, yeah. if Alshon Jeffrey was a complete bum and never did what he did last year, he'd be getting murdered in Philadelphia. So as yeah. much as I love the way Philly fans handled it, and I feel the same yeah. way. And if Alshon was in here right now, I'd give him a huge hug and be like, yo, bro, I got you. Let's be real, okay? Let's be real about the situation. Alshon Jeffrey was a reason the Eagles went to a place they'd never been before. So everybody on that football team, for the most part, is going to be on elevated status forever. Cody Parkey hasn't done squat for the Chicago Bears or the city of Chicago, okay? If if Alshon Jeffrey—if it was— I don't know. If it was Mike Wallace that dropped that football after having a mediocre year and getting paid a bunch of money, do you think fans would have been so forgiving? Not a shot in hell. Nope. Not a shot in hell. So let's keep it in perspective. I love I love the narrative because, like, everybody was like, look at what Chicago did, Philly fans. We are better than everybody says we are. And I love that narrative because it needs to grow because a lot of it is factual. But let's be real. Alshon Jeffries' previous experiences, highlights, moments, his personality brought us a championship. That will never change, no matter what the hell he does. Dropping a pass or 50 of them. Cody Parkey stunk all year. He blew it in their biggest game. He'd be getting murdered in Philadelphia if the situation was reversed. That's all I got.
1: Hey, give me a little Carter Hart.
0: Yeah, Carter Hart. So, 5-5-1, right? You're like, eh. But save percentage of 91.5%. He's doing The job, okay? And it ain't easy with that defense. Now, I'm going to go back to it again. I still don't believe they should have brought him up necessarily. I still think he needs some time in the minors. Do I know, is he ever going to go back to the minors? Maybe not. But stay patient, Philadelphia, because I think what you've seen the last few games is that, yes, he has it, okay? He has it. Second round pick, it's going to take time. But the 91.5 save percentage with a defense as bad as the Flyers is pretty damn impressive. And his numbers are better than they were in the NHL than in the minors. And I'll leave you with this. That can happen sometimes. Because in the NHL, guys are where they're supposed to be almost all the time. They're the elite of the elite. In the American Hockey League, sometimes guys are out to lunch. Sometimes guys aren't where they're supposed to be. Sometimes guys are in over their head. It's a bit more scrambly. The NHL game is very structured. It can be easier for a goaltender sometimes to follow, to stay within the flow, because he can read things better. So, Carter Hart might actually have better numbers in the NHL than you would think, oh, he should be lighting up the minors. He never did. He was starting to find his game, but it was taking a while. Again, it can be scrambly down there. The NHL level, again, the Flyers defense stinks, but this kid's starting to find his way a little bit. It's going to take time. It's going to take time, but certainly impressive to have a 91.5 save percentage with uh, what can be a a bit of a struggle roster-wise in front of him. So, been excited about what I've seen. He played really well against Boston the other night.
1: Well, I mean, it's it's one of those things, man. If this guy turns out to be the truth, the Carter Hart is the guy. Boy, does that solve a lot of problems. Yeah. For yeah. the Flyers organization. I mean, that is the one thing in the NHL is you have to have a quality goaltender. And it's just like having a quality quarterback in the NFL. If you don't have a quality quarterback in the NFL, you got no damn shot now to way.
0: Yeah, and, and look, he just, can he can bring a belief system, right? There's a yeah, belief yeah. when your goalie, you know, you don't have yeah. to worry every night. And that yeah, is he, um, he,
1: he he could steal a game for you. Yeah. That's what they've never had. And the and, and the, listen, I'm just, you know, hopefully the kid just stays grounded and we can find some new defensive for him moving forward no matter how long that takes.
0: By the way, Carey Price spent some time in the minors too. He's a pretty darn good goaltender. I know he hasn't ever really, you know, he hasn't won a Stanley Cup in Montreal, but he spent a couple of games his rookie year in the minors and then uh, his first full pro season spent 10 games in the American Hockey League. So again, it's it's a good thing for goalies to go down there and get some time, all right? That's that's how this thing works. So good for Carter Hart to be getting going Flyers 1-3 or 4. Uh, certainly encouraging stuff there. I'll, although, albeit they're out of it, maybe you want them to lose, maybe you want them to get the number one overall pick. we got plenty of time to discuss that uh, later in the <laughs> year. All right, Johnny hey, well. Meta. Unfortunately, the bird season is over. I feel like we should play a little Fly Eagles Fly, but I don't have it queued up because I'm, I'm I'm useless right now. But uh, tough one to go down to the Saints the way they did, but the heart of Philadelphia really, I guess, the, the underlying theme of this team when it was all said and done.
1: Listen, they, they gave it everything that they had. Even nationally, everybody thought the Eagles were going to get their doors blown off or at least or lose by at least ten points, and they really showed up and they had every opportunity win that football game. They just unfortunately came up a little short.
0: All right, that's going to do it. Brotherly Love Podcast, SoundCloud, iTunes, Twitter, @belovepodcast. How about your boy, Johnny Mita? We'll talk soon, brother. We'll make some super Bowl predictions next week. All right. You got it. I love it. Great stuff as always. Appreciate all the love and support. Who are you rooting for? Who am I rooting for? big red flag? I don't know. I know. I don't know. You know how I feel about Fat Andy. Go, go Rams go, I guess. Go Rams go. All right, for John Bede, I'm Joe O'Donnell. Until next time, it's the Brotherly Love Podcast. We'll see for listening to the brotherly love podcast on soundcloud.com